Exclusive. U.S. firms may get nod to restart Huawei sales in two to four weeks. Official. Is Huawei back in business? I think so, actually. Not surprisingly. Because, I mean, I've been following this fairly close. I've been reading whatever I can every day to figure out, like, what the status is, what's changed, if anything. And also just to try, try to speculate what the original intent was uh, with the executive order to try and restrict these American companies and American technologies from interacting with Huawei in any, in any form. See, the thing about this is I was never, I was never really expecting for the U.S. to open up their borders for Huawei's telco equipment on the networks. They had kind of made their, made their uh, position known in many at many different stages along the way that 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 just wasn't going to happen that their infrastructure was not going to belong to a chinese company of huawei status but this flip side of it this uh you know intel broadcom google side of it with them selling components technologies softwares schematics support and all these you know various other pieces it just didn't seem like it could stick because how were those companies supposed to be comfortable with this idea of being told who they can and can't sell to in that sense, especially considering the fact that the accusations against Huawei, regardless of which side you, 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 you are on, those that were made public don't really implicate Google or Intel or Broadcom or Qualcomm specifically. So like, for example, the the uh, selling against those sanctions in Iran specifically, that's the one thing that keeps getting cited. And then the other one was the intellectual property situation with T-Mobile. Again, it's kind of like it's a it's a major gray zone as far as if those offenses are significant enough to then put these widespread restrictions on companies in the U.S. trying to, in many cases, trying to execute contracts that are already in place sales that are already made so uh when the g20 summit happened recently there were talks that took place between trump and the leader of china who i always struggle to pronounce his name correctly can we get an official pr uh, pronunciation here it's is it she or z which one is it will um yeah thanks a lot for that <laughs> thanks a lot vin what's the she. official pronunciation i think it's g g or z g g Anyway, so uh, they, they met at the G20 summit in Japan, and it was like, oh, we had some talks. Things are, uh, we, we're going to get it figured out to a certain degree. Uh, Trump put the delay on a number of uh, um, these uh, increasing tariffs on uh, like some $300 billion worth of other trade. He held back. He put that on pause. And then specifically what you care about as a tech fan in in the Huawei department, he kind of insinuated that they were going to make some changes there as well. Now, what appears on the surface as some kind of a goodwill on his part is likely more of a reaction to his uh, to 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 the U.S. companies applying pressure to him, and less him deciding that he wants to ease up on these particular restrictions. Because my understanding was that shortly after this thing happened. Google was in Washington uh, lobbying, meeting, saying, "Here's, you know, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this," and and many other manufacturers had did, uh, did similar. And then on top of that, they had to start creating alternative uh, means to keep doing the business they were doing. Because obviously, if you're doing business, you want to keep doing business. So then they were like, they were like filtering stuff through other countries. They were 
couple of examples of this that we reported on on on, on this show here, where uh, various brands that were doing business with Huawei via the U.S. were just changing the location with which those transactions were taking place. They were just finding ways around it, anyhow. So, so from that standpoint, I just didn't believe it could possibly stick the way that it was. So. Uh, this is uh, a relatively official, according to sources here, the article I'm reading via via Reuters. Uh, it seems like it's only a matter of time now before this thing is opened back up completely, at least in the sense of American companies and technologies going into the direction of Huawei and Huawei being able to sort of like get things rolling again. Now, as I've mentioned in the past, this doesn't do much for the public image. It doesn't immediately erase the fact that consumers... Customers are, are a little bit nervous around this brand, seeing as how they have been a target, a political target by the looks of it, whether that's uh, the true motivation or not. Uh, are you going to feel compelled to go out and purchase one of these things now that the restriction appears to be lifted or being lifted very shortly? I think it's going to take a while in that part. Like on that side of things, it's going to take a while to build up the consumer trust. But I think from an operational perspective, Huawei should, should be back into the, the, the format that they were in prior to this whole thing taking place. And I think that's going to happen very soon. So in terms of the lobbying, it was mostly uh, coming via the, the chip industry, which so much of it based still in Silicon Valley, hence the name there. It makes a lot of sense, Will. You can probably tell. Uh, and in many cases, even when they're not manufacturing the chips themselves, they're still responsible for licensing the chip designs that are necessary, that are the backbone for the manufacturers, uh, for example, in, in Huawei's case. So the whole thing's about to, you know, they're back. Huawei's back in business, Will. How do you feel about it? What do you think? You think, uh, you think they're going to get, they're going to go straight to the top or you think it's going to take a while? Listen, I think trade is good. You know, and uh, big trade guy. We we've <laughs> seen a lot of uh, Huawei phones in the past. Yeah, they're, they're solid phones. Solid phones. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's good. All right. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of uh, some sort of communication taking place. It's uh, it's better to be shaking hands than not. I've said that on previous episodes. Um, I don't think, like I said, I don't think it's going to change anything with as far as like the the network infrastructure in the U.S. is concerned. But as far as Huawei devices, ones that aren't released yet, and the ones that are already in your pockets, I think you can rest a little more assured, at least uh, in, in the coming future here, that, that things are probably going to be a little bit more like they were pretty soon. For better, for worse, whether you like it or not. And hey, here's the other side of it. If you don't like it, guess what, Will? You buy another, you can buy something else. How about that? There's options. How about that for a marketplace? Yeah. If you don't like it, if you're worried about it for whatever reason, Samsung will take your money. Apple will take your money. Oppo will take your money. Vivo will take your money. Xiaomi will take your money. I'll take your money. No, I mean, I won't keep your money. It's all right. It's fine. All right. Uh, speaking of Samsung, uh, Samsung Insider, Ice, Ga Ice Galaxy, is that his name? Ice, Ice Universe. Universe. Sorry, I apologize. That's my bad. See, because he's a Samsung leaker, he probably should have been Ice Galaxy as opposed to Ice Universe, but maybe his universe is bigger than the galaxy. You see what I mean? Because the universe is everything, right? So it's not just Samsung. Okay, well done, Ice Universe. I like your name better. <laughs> uh, anyway, he, he, uh, he's been leaking all kinds of stuff related to this upcoming Note 10 Plus, the, the, the upcoming flagship Samsung device. 
And one of the latest things he's talking about is the charging speed, which is going to be unprecedented for a Samsung device. He claims that the Galaxy Note 10 Plus is going to support 45-watt wired charging and 20-watt wireless charging. This is the crazy thing here is 25-watt wired charging is like a recent development in Samsung's world and the smartphone world, for that matter. So 20-watt wireless charging is big, especially for wireless uh, charging fans like myself. Of course, it will probably require a dedicated, a different uh, wireless charger as well to go with it. I don't mind picking up a few, a few of those to get the speed benefit. But then on the wire, 45 watts is a, is a pretty staggering figure. Now, the only device I've, I think we've seen beyond that is an Oppo device with the Super VOOC. I think went up to as much as 50 watts of wired charging power. But I have to say, I've been using the OnePlus 7 Pro. It's got its own version, which they changed the name recently. Of course, it used to be Dash Charge. Now uh, they had to change it because somebody sued them. Now it's, what's it called? They're, they're fast charging. Why can I not? Warp Charge. Warp Charge. Warp Charge, I believe, is 30 watts. So uh, is that right? Did I get that right? I want to make sure I'm right on that, if it's 30 watts or not. I think so. They call it 30. So, yeah, Warp Charge 30 on the OnePlus 7 Pro. So, anyway, so to go from 30 to 40, I mean, we're talking about some really fast charging coming up. If Mr. Uh, Ice Universe is correct, I believe he is. I mean, like, he's been on in the past with this kind of stuff. And we have seen 25-watt 20, chargers with the S10 5G. So, you would expect an improvement there. And this is especially interesting, Will, on a device like the Note series, which previously has put a huge emphasis on battery life. Pro style users, big form factor, big battery. And so the bigger the battery, as you know, the longer it takes to charge. And so adding that extra wattage in and getting yourself up to 45 watts on the wired, 20 watts on the wireless. I mean, that's a cool, that's this is what everybody's asking for, really. It's that type of uh, utilitarian advancement, battery tech, charging tech. You're going to use it every single day. That feature is going to come in handy for you potentially every single day and the best part about it is in the background you don't even notice it you just pop it into the car charger or the home charger or the wireless charger i'm assuming they'll have a proprietary version of each of those capable of delivering that extra power and you're just going to see your number boost faster and then that's gonna you're gonna have less uh anxiety yeah i'm a big fan of big batteries you're a big like, you're a big battery guy yeah you know yeah. at the end of the day it's like 10 or 11 your battery's at five percent mm -hmm. you know with a smaller phone yeah. it's uh it's yeah. anxiety inducing there it is it's sure. anxiety well i have to say uh, the top up thing was never a thing that i did up until this phone right here with the warp charge oh. i just it was part of my cycle to plug it in every night and then i started to care about my sleep a little more and so i didn't bring the phone to bed actually oh. and it would sometimes sit on some table elsewhere and not be charging I want to have it charging next to my head. And with this device, the OnePlus 7 Pro with the Warp Charge 30, uh, it charges so fast, I'll just pop it in in the morning while I'm making a coffee, and all of a sudden, you're at 50% battery life. Like, it's it's crazy fast. It changes the behavioral structure around your phone. You don't feel as, as uh, tethered to it. Like, it needs to go everywhere you need to go because you're, you're constantly work. You know what I'm saying? That's how it travels to bed with you because you're like, well, what if it's char not charged tomorrow? So now you're thinking about your phone's got a whole different character in your head as opposed to, you know, I'll just pop it in here and there and I'll be okay. So it is changing my behavior around smartphones, and and I think it's, a, it's becoming a bit more organic. I'm happy about it. I like it.
Are you still using wireless charging? No, this doesn't have wireless charging. Oh, it doesn't. That's the most annoying thing about it. Oh. The uh, the uh, OnePlus Seven Pro, no wireless charging. OnePlus, just do it already. Oh. I, I get it. It was like, I you know, they've they have stood their ground on this because they were one of the first with the really fast charging or at least marketing it, and so they're like, look, we don't believe wireless charging is not fast enough, but now look, if you, if, if Samsung truly puts out twenty watt wireless, now you now you don't have that excuse anymore. Right. Because now it's it's crazy fast anyways and convenient. So uh, it's the reason I'll eventually switch from this. Honestly, if you add wireless charging to this, then what else are you What are you looking for? What are you complaining about? Mm -hmm. uh, granted, I still want to try that Sony phone that we uh, we showcased recently. Xperia. Yeah, the uh, Xperia, Xperia 1. One. Yeah, the Xperia 1. I'm, I'm going to switch to that next upstairs. Uh, and then that one doesn't even have wireless charging. So I'm just angry in general. Granted, I'll have this new Note series before you know it. So... Uh, I'll probably be jumping on that. I may have to skip over this one because that Note series comes out. It's so many phones, guys. Sticking with Samsung for a minute, on the, on the negative side, I got an email, a couple of emails. People said, uh, you know, ads were showing up on their Samsung devices. I was like, wait, wait a minute. Uh, I did a story fairly recently on ads showing up on Huawei devices. Uh, they were from Booking.com, I think, and they were like travel ads. Well, in Samsung's case, it's not third parties like a travel ad, but right within the the notification pane there, you're getting uh, you're getting ads to pre-order other Samsung devices. Now, this is an old post that uh, Will's showing off right now from 11 months ago. The email that I got was was like a day or two old, and it's an advertisement for a Galaxy Tab 5e for 3,500 rupees. I should mention that the individual sending these in to me via email is based in India. So if you're in India, maybe you can check your Samsung device, see if you're getting similar ads or not. And then the other ad was for Samsung Pay. And so like, it was, it was a bit more offensive because it was like, get a new credit card. I don't know if Will has it there or not. Apply now to suit your lifestyle, get credit cards. Like, come on. You get the ad, you're going about your business. You're, you're scroll down to see if, you're, uh, if your significant partner, if your wife, if your, uh, your child tried to get in touch with you, whoever it is, uh, an uncle, an aunt, and this is what you get. Get credit cards. It's a bit offensive. So hmm. it turns out this has been a thing that's been going on for a while because I looked it up, and here we are on Reddit from 11 months ago, and someone said, hey, Samsung's now sending ads straight to my notifications. So... I did a little bit more research, and it turns out that if you just blast through the original setup process in certain markets, one of the boxes that will be checked by default is, is one that allows Samsung to send ads through in this fashion. To me, that's not a place I would ever want ads. I understand the, the necessity of ads, but in this kind of location here where it's, you know, that's where your important actions take place and very utilitarian location, you're kind of, it's a bit offensive. To, to have it stuck right there. So what you're gonna want to do is is not is uncheck that box where you set up the new the new device here. Keep an eye out and look closely during the setup process. There is a box that enables Samsung and and basically where you agree to have these ads fed through to your device. And who would want that? Who would agree to that? Who would be like that? Sounds like a good idea. You know, nobody here. We we just finished talking about it. Nobody wants that. So then you get to your next stage, which is like, should users have to do that by default? 
Maybe it should be the other way around where they have to check the box manually to say, hey, that's something that I want. But of course, then no one would do it or very few people, fewer people than Samsung would like would do it. But the other thing, it seems to be affecting certain markets more than others based on the emails I received and what I could find online. And I just think Samsung is not just not a cool move. Like, I don't know. I just don't like it. They're not the only ones that do it, by the way. Um, Apple does some version of this, I think, when they launch a new device. They ping some of the older devices. People were sending me iPhone XR upgrade ads that were popping up on their phone saying, hey, you should get rid of your current phone. And they were, and Apple was referencing the phone they were on. In other words, they, they knew it was an iPhone 6. Yeah, yeah, something like this. Your new iPhone is ready. Choose iPhone XR or iPhone XS and speed through your iPhone upgrade program. So there's, it was a push notification via the Apple Store app. I don't, I mean, they're kind of the same thing. And I think that they're equally offensive. Maybe that one less because you do have the Apple Store app installed. So like you gave that app those permissions as opposed to sneaking it in during the startup of the device itself. But ultimately, I feel like companies should be clear about this. And I think if the user ends up having a bad or poor, a poor experience, it won't manifest immediately. You won't have the analytics to track how much it bothers them. But next time around, they might be like, hey, you know, uh, Samsung keeps bugging me with that stuff. I'm going to consider another brand. So, like, I just feel like you ease up on this stuff. And if for all the pre-orders you're going to get from this style of notification, I, there's something uneasy about it. You know, I can't say I'm a fan of it. Speaking of not being a fan of certain things in tech, uh, we have an exploding iPhone, oh. which, I mean, it seems like it goes from one to the next. It could be any phone. A child's iPhone began sparking, then it burned holes in her blanket. Kayla Ramos was sitting in her sister's room playing with her iPhone 6, so, it, you know, kind of an older iPhone. When sparks suddenly began to shoot from the device, Kayla primarily used her phone to watch YouTube videos. I'm pretty sure it was Lou Later, family show. Learn a thing or two, we cover the news. So, uh, plus, plus, Lou later, things get heated sometimes. You see that, Will? Yeah. You understand something like that, Will? Things get heated sometimes. Anyway, yeah, so, uh, her and her siblings are on the bed. It's a tragedy. The thing blows up. No more YouTube to be watched. I managed to burn myself, but I threw it on the blankets. The 11-year-old from Bakersfield, California, told the TV station the foam burned several holes in the blankets, but did not cause more extensive damage. Kayla's mother was grateful that her daughter escaped unscathed. This could have been my child. She could have been on fire. She could have been hurt. Anyhow, they reach out to Apple, and you know what Apple says. They say, hey, uh, send, that, send that back to us. They say, they say hey, do you mind if uh, you, just, you just send that back over to us, and we'll send you a brand new one, you know? We'll send you the latest one. You send us that old iPhone 6, we'll, we'll get you a new, we'll get you an iPhone XS Max. No, no lawsuit here. They say, hey, Kayla, what do you say you get a bigger screen in the house for you and your, you and your sibling? Hey, Kayla, what do you say? Huh? YouTube kids, you want to watch? Yeah, we'll pre-install it for you. Mm -hmm. Here an iPhone XS Max. What do you like? You like that fancy gold color? A bit better than the old iPhone 6 you got there? That's what starts to happen right away, Will, because you know it's a bigger picture. Apple needs to get that phone back home so it has no investigation poking around. What caused it? What kind of defect? Let's sue them because they got what? How many billions? Well, trillion? They got a trillion, okay? 
boatload. They got a boatload. There, that's even better. Willie Do, what a time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen. Willie Do, he's picking up. He's got it under control. He figured it all out. You understand? He's got the moves. X, Y, B, B, up, down, square, whatever he's got to do. He's got to figure it out now. So I could just leave the show now. He's got the boatload figured out. Don't do that. So anyhow, they reach out. It's in limbo right now. There's no, like, uh, official uh, lawsuit or anything at this point. But the mom, the way she's talking is kind of like, hey, make it right. Because uh, she says over here, this could have been my child. My child could have been caught on fire and she could have been hurt more. And I'm glad she's okay. You see that type of wording there, Will? Mm -hmm. It's like you're talking about my child right now. You want to try to put a value on my child, Will? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, well, exactly. It's not really your child. Yeah, I didn't think so, Will. I didn't think so. Look, the mom said uh, she admitted to charging the phone a lot, which caused over that might have caused overheating. So well, she yeah. kind of was honest about it. Well, I mean, look, Will. You know, everybody's charging their phones. Exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you just got fired up right there. <laughs> Exactly. Everyone charges their phones. So, yeah, I don't think we don't expect them to explode. You charge your phone, you know? Yeah. I look, look, there's enough of these phones out there. I'm not trying to say it's specific to. I did a story, you know, a week ago on what was it? It was a OnePlus device that blew up. I and mean, we saw the Samsung device blow up. It's a ratio thing. You got to have a limited number blow up or at least a limited number of these news stories before the it becomes a real right. fiasco. But these batteries are relatively volatile, it turns out. And there's a ton of iPhone 6s out there. I think it's still the number one iPhone in the world right now. I think mm -hmm. it's actually the 6. So there's a ton of them out there. But listen to this line right here at the very end. They asked the girl. They say, what do you think? How upset are you? She said, it's not that bad, Kayla told 23 ABC News. I get to hang out with my sisters more. I get to hang out with my family more. This is her response to having lost her iPhone. Well, mm -hmm. what a twist to the story. The family rekindles, they connect, they bond in the absence of the phone. And what does this say about the phone? It was, the phone was between them. Mm -hmm. Is this for the greater good, the exploding phone in this particular case? <laughs> Who knows what uh, reality may have been like. Yeah. This phone survives, it's more YouTube, it's mind-numbing. It's YouTube kids who knows what's being watched. It's not Lou later, that's for sure. She becomes a TikTok celebrity. She becomes a... There you go. Exactly. And instead, I get to hang out with my sisters more. I get to hang out with my family more. Or maybe that's just her way of taking a shot back at Tim. Tim tried to burn the house down, yeah. and she comes back with, yeah, well, I don't need it anyway. I got sisters. Yeah. I got a family. The phone tried to take my family away. Yeah, there it is. You see? Yeah. So... Anyhow, phones explode. It happens. Pretty much every phone. No, no phone is immune. If it has a battery, it can explode. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. News flash. Apple will reportedly fund Apple-exclusive podcasts. Apple execs have reportedly reached out to media companies. So did you, know we, did you know that we're a media company, Will? Are we? Yeah, we are. Oh, okay. We're a media company. And uh, Apple, they reached out. They offered us $12 million to uh, exclusively release this show only on Apple devices. Sounds lucrative. Did you That's right. Did you sign the deal? Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this so is the we last belong to Apple. So this is the last episode that's going to be on YouTube, okay? You understand? And 
Not only is it going to be an Apple exclusive podcast, it will only be available on Apple devices yeah. from now on. And it will only be available on Apple devices inside of the Apple Store. <laughs> so this is... Anyway, listen. There's a war going on, a battle going on in the podcast arena because podcasting, you know, it exploded. And for, for the longest time, it was just this... This kind of like side side gig for Apple. They're like, I don't know. We got podcasts. Who cares? It kind of like developed slowly and over time. And and it was just this appendage to the iPod. Hence the pod part of the podcast. And they never really paid much attention to it. I mean, there's reviews. And other than that, it's just tapping into the RSS. And you get the uploads and all the rest of it. But then... They, I feel like right now they're starting to appreciate the potential of like years later of what podcasting represents because other players have gotten involved and like, wait, maybe we, maybe we could have done more there. Uh, those other players being places like Spotify who are actually, they recently bought two podcast networks. They're, they're like purchasing podcasts. Apple wants to get into that business. And it makes a lot of sense for Apple because 50% of podcasts are actually consumed via Apple Podcasts. It's still the location for podcasts, which makes sense because it was the original place for that because of the iPod and then the iPhone and the, and the fact that it just, it, I mean, it gave birth to the podcast as we know it. So the rumor here is that they're going to go spend how much money, Will? Um... Sorry, I'm just reading up on... No, it's a boatload, Will! It's a boatload, sir! <laughs> yeah, you see, you did so well earlier, and then you missed it on this one. Kirk knew, though. Kirk well, had a smirk on his face when I asked you. I he got knew. distracted here. No, he knew. He knew. But anyway, they're going to spend a lot of money. Spotify, for example, announced earlier this year it plans to spend $500 million on podcast-related acquisitions. Read. No, I understand. Well, it's all right. It's all right, dude. There's going to be other chances. You can get another shot okay. at it. okay. By the way, I feel the need to clarify. They offered us nothing, by the way. They don't want this podcast. I speak too freely. You know this. You know yeah. this. Apple this, Apple that. It don't matter. You understand? I feel like they, they probably like to bury us already in a pot. You know what I'm saying, Will? Yeah. They don't, they don't want to put us on those charts. Our charts, the, the charts are rigged. Yeah, I think the chart, yeah. They, <laughs> they don't want guys like us on there speaking freely. Dangerous words. Yeah. Guys like us. Loose cannons. Mm -hmm. How do you describe guys like us? Black Internally, sheep. in the boardroom, that's what they say about us. So anyhow, one way to get around that, just like they're doing in, the t in TV with Apple TV+, Plus, Apple News, whatever, get in, spend some cash. Spend some cash, buy some stuff, and then you can kind of govern what gets promoted. You can, you, can, you can shape the conversation to a certain degree when you have ownership in those departments, and that's what they're aiming at by the looks of it. It's a new move, Apple becoming a content company, a services company, moving a little further away from the origin story. See, the podcast for them were a bonus for the hardware for the longest time. Now, a business focus by the looks of it. And I should mention this article, uh, a nice little article here, by the way, on The Verge, which details some other things happening in podcasting, including a premium podcast service called Luminary, which launched this spring they had a bunch of celebrities come in there with a free trial. And the concept was that you would then subscribe for a fee, a monthly fee after that. And these would be premium podcasts and they would, wouldn't have to be ad supported because, you know, there's, there's ads in podcasts. 
that 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 you would have a subscription model work within podcasts. That's another take on where podcasts could potentially go, and they've kicked off and they're operating. So podcasts are a real thing. The monetization landscape obviously set to change. Five hundred million being spent on Spotify. Apple could drop five hundred million, not even notice. Mm -hmm. They drop five hundred million walking down the street, they wouldn't even notice. Well. Do you think that these companies will have control over the podcast? No. What they're going to say? No, because you remember the rumors that came out around the Apple TV Plus stuff? The rumors were like, you know, Apple's coming in here. They're cutting they're cutting the raunchy scenes and what they're cutting the violence. Yeah. They're like, it's not very Apple-esque. It can't be, Will. I'll tell you why. They're still trying to sell you a dream. They're trying to sell you the Apple logo. They're trying to sell you the white store with the wood desk. They still got to sell you the device, so they got to be kind of generic in their presentation. You can't make too many strong statements without offending the wrong people. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they're going to actually censor. Um, of course they would. It's their yeah. content. They, yeah. would, they would choose what they think is entertaining enough but still best represents the brand and isn't going to compromise them in any way. Because you can imagine they make some risky content. It's not like they're HBO. They're still Apple. So if you put the Apple badge on it, people start to associate that r risky stuff with the brand. Right. And those two things don't go too well together, much like advertiser-friendly content on YouTube. You start getting too risky, and whether it's compelling content or not, advertisers are like, look, it might be good content, but we just can't be associated because the association in and of itself changes the perception mm -hmm. of the actual thing. So all of a sudden, you, you watch some violent thing that Apple made, you get negative feelings, whatever, risky feelings, whatever, you're not super comfortable. Then subconsciously, you see that same badge, that same name on a nice, shiny device, and you might bring that sentiment forward with you. It might be embedded within you. They try to keep their distance when things get a bit sketchy. This is why content, content companies are content companies, and they're typically not trying to sell you hardware. For the most part. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, interesting nonetheless. And and the one thing, the one takeaway here is it it it, it kind of um, it kind of insinuates that there it, that podcasting as a platform is is undervalued right now. Undervalued in the sense that the biggest players, Apple being one of them, Spotify being one of them, are looking to get into it. So that goes to show you. That's, it's a big deal. It's on the come up, which seems crazy this long after they originally launched. Seems kind of crazy. Uh, did you notice that Twitter got redesigned? Well, they redesigned the website. I don't know if yours is actually redesigned or not. I opted out of it. You opted but, out of the redesign. But um, I think in time you will you won't have a choice. Why did you this opt out? Why, I'm curious. Why did you opt out? Um, I, yeah. Or is that just your your way of doing things? Yeah. Yeah. You're just not an early, an early adopter. I see. Old habits. Well, uh, I feel like I should let people know for those that didn't see it yet, because not everybody even got the prompt yet. Eventually, everyone will have it, whether they like it or not, which is the reason I opted in. I'm like, all right, let's check it out. Uh, but I feel you. On YouTube, I, I don't opt into new things right away because it's too critical for me. Twitter, I felt like I could get away with it. Uh, I don't mind the new interface. It's obviously heavily inspired by the mobile app. But I was already not really using the web app. I was using TweetDeck. And to me, this kind of shares some aspects with TweetDeck. So, so it, it feels easy enough.
to participate in. Like, it's not a huge transition process for me. The other thing I like about it is uh, switching between accounts is pretty seamless. I switch between accounts from time to time. Uh, I like when if you if you click on a tweet, it gives you some context of the relevant people involved in the thread of the conversation. It elevates certain aspects on the site that otherwise wouldn't be. Like, I think conversations in general appear a little bit better on the home feed here. Uh, the bookmarking of tweets, uh, historical tweets to save for later if you see something good. And also the emphasis on search. Because I find myself on desktop especially using uh, Twitter for search around events mm. more frequently. So the emphasis, you put it right at the top right, implies like, hey, use Twitter for search. Like, do it. Like, search for some some news or an event or a meme or, or uh, what's trending, which happens to actually be underneath the search bar. Uh, I just, I, I actually don't mind it. So you opted out. I'm kind of a fan of it. Now, granted, the desktop app is always going to be the desktop app. It's going to pale in comparison from a, a usage perspective to the mobile app. We saw this happen on YouTube in our own analytics. Everyone's using smartphones. Very few people are using the desktop app, which is partly the reason that I like what they did with it because it's like, hey, let's think about this. If you are on the desktop, maybe you want to do something different. Uh, because you obviously felt compelled to go here, whether that's reading more, whether that's uh, uh, posting more, who knows what it might have, or, for for example, the bookmark component. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but people people seem to be, uh, people seem to be like you, Will. A lot of people seem to be like you. When something like that changes that they're really used to, they're reluctant. Yeah, it's a radical visual radical. design, which, uh, you know, well, now that you're looking at it, now that you're looking at it, now that you're looking at it, what are your thoughts, Will? Mm. Good or bad? I I like it from a visual standpoint. Maybe I just got to use it to get used to it. Okay. That's really what it is. I mean, I, I really have no choice later on when uh, you can't opt out anymore. You know, they uh, say that, change. but I, I don't think that's always the case. Like, I think they say that, but then imagine you keep hitting the opt out button. Imagine enough people keep hitting... Like, this happened in Creator Studio on YouTube. They changed Creator Studio substantially. Oh. And they kept saying, like, hey, you're gonna... This is your last chance. But I kept opting, opting, opting. And I saw other people complaining, too, to stay on the old version of it. And I don't think they're forcing people anymore. So... <laughs> they gave up. There's probably a certain amount of volume. If a, if a certain amount of volume of people opt out, they're gonna see that data and yeah. go, man, pe people really aren't into it. And, and maybe... Uh, maybe not transition as quickly as uh, they had originally planned. Anyway, I'm into it. It's a simplification. It's uh, it's in line with mobile. And I think it kind of has to be because I think most people's experiences start and end here. And so if they do look to hop onto desktop, maybe uh, to, to do some more power functions, the fact that there's cohesiveness between the two from a design perspective, I think is a friendlier concept than something that looks drastically different when you get to the desktop so anyway new twitter check it out if you got the prompt it's, it's in the top right corner it says try the new twitter whatever gamestop hopes renovations will keep its retail stores alive uh well before even reading into this no it won't work i feel bad uh you know gamestop's not as prominent as EB Games here in Canada. We have GameStops too, but I grew up going to EB Games stores, 
which are essentially identical. It's the same thing, yeah. Yeah, and and I, I don't even they might even be connected as brands. I'm not really sure, but one owns the other. But we have both here in Canada. There's some GameStop, some EB Games. They're identical. Uh, it looks like they have EB Games in Australia as well for whatever reason, different names. Uh, same colors too. Anyhow, uh, listen, guys, it's over. I mean, it's sad, but it's over. This is the blockbuster moment. HMV? Yeah, or the HMV moment. Like, you can't, we can't hold on to this. It's, we all have the nostalgia. You have the gigantic retail footprint. We can't do this. We can't pretend. Like, I understand you want to, you might want to have a physical copy of a game. Okay. You can make that argument. Some people say, I don't want to download my games, which is maybe step one. But then, if I want to order a physical copy, why am I not just getting it off Amazon? What am I doing? Why am I not just ordering the physical copy? Like, this is such a niche. It's 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 it, the, the 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 funnel is shrinking for reasons to go rapidly. And even myself, I was originally when I remember when the original Xbox One stuff started happening, and it was the heat online, and people were like. This is crazy. We need to have our physical media. How dare you? Or if I want to bring a game over here or resale, I want to resell a game. It was a huge topic of conversation. It's like so many things in life, Will, where the convenience eventually prevails regardless. And now I'm downloading games. I don't, I'm just, it's too convenient. I'm, I'm just downloading the game. I'm curious. Are there still uh, people waiting in line for game launches? Oh, I'm sure there's some. But what they really want to do is just go hang out with people who are enthusiastic yeah. like they are. It's kind of like a ritual for them. It's a ritual, and there's a few bucks to be made, but it's not enough to support the gigantic retail You're footprint right. yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Well, anyway, nonetheless, they're going to try because that's what you do, I guess, as a company. You try, and they teamed up with some, some high-end designers, Will, on a pilot program to renovate stores and give them a place in the video gaming culture. They want these places to be like hangout spots, where gamers get to go and like try games and converse and like be gamers and whatnot, which it sounds good on paper, but like as far as I can tell, the whole benefit of gaming is that you don't have to go anywhere, <laughs> mm. <laughs> except for except for E three maybe I don't know. Like you can converse online. That's half the. It's so easy. You put the headset on, Will. You've done this. Oh, yeah. You talk to people. You don't need to physically go somewhere. You want to play the game and converse. And Anyway, the other element that they can add to this or that they're going to add to this and it actually I think is a good, uh, a good strategy is retro gaming and hardware. So, like, that's mm -hmm. one area where if you're into retro gaming and the nostalgia around that stuff and that hardware, there's really no substitute. You know, physical place, go talk about it, maybe resell it. You know, around the corner over here, uh, shout out Microplay. Qu quick shout out Microplay around the corner. They or AC Games, sure, yeah, on on uh, just off Bloor Street there. Uh, the the retro gaming culture is is on a come up, kind of like vinyl records, for example. But I still think even that is limited, right? Because it has a place for us, but it ain't ha gonna have a place for the next gen. Mm -hmm. It's a one time deal. You get to go back now one time. And then it starts to lose its luster pretty quickly. So it's a temporary fix, in my opinion. I don't know what else they can do. Can, they could become maybe gadget stores. I think they tried that to a certain degree. Also, maybe repair places. Maybe replace, like, phone screens and stuff like this. Or maybe you become 
one of those distribution points where people can that can't ship to their house for some reason could ship like packages there gaming related for later pickup i don't know will i'm trying here i'm trying to think i think we all have uh warm and uh, fuzzy feelings around the idea of the game store but i'm gonna go out here and just feel if i'm being honest i think the days are numbered big time i think the days are numbered big time not just for GameStop, but for a lot of retail enterprises in general and uh it's just a it's just a consequence of the place the place we're at right now with online shopping it's just so easy will mm -hmm. i pop on it's it's over here it's two seconds it's no stress it's no looking around it could have something to do with the point i'm at in my life but in in general i feel like convenience wins and i feel like the convenience factor is lacking here in this department on this side so we'll see what they do Keep an eye out for these uh, redesigned stores. I think they're going to close some stores, and and the redesign the concept stores is only going to be a handful. But if you if you pop into one, you, you keep an eye out. All right. Uh, Tesla uh, Tesla Model Three has been the best selling EV in the U.S. this year by a huge margin. So uh, we've got a list here actually of the top ten electric vehicles being sold currently. This is on Business Insider, and I'm not surprised at all that the Model 3 is at the top of the list for obvious reasons. The most affordable Tesla ever suits the most people, the scale of it, the size of it, the value uh, proposition. So it leads the list. Now, as I said in a recent video, actually the sales of the Model S and X are dipping. They're not as hot as they used to be in the presence of the Model 3. Some people are selecting that. But it's really the really surprising part of the story is just how dominant Tesla is in EVs in general. They uh, they occupy three of the top five spots, and you're playing against the biggest automakers in the world, and they still haven't really caught up and put up and put up big numbers. So uh, the we the website estimates that Tesla sold sixty seven thousand six hundred fifty Model Threes in the U.S. through June, over seven times the sales generated by the next best selling vehicle, which was their very own Model X. You see that? So seven times more. So it's basically the Model Three, and then everything else. The Model 3 is the electric car if you're looking strictly at the numbers. Amazingly, you got to go down to 8,700 units, I believe is the number. Yeah, 8,200 units to get to the first Chevrolet, which is the Bolt EV. It's a, it's a kind of crazy situation. They're all losing money still by the looks of it. It's hard to make money with these particular uh, products, which is part of the reason I think the traditional automakers have been so slow to adapt even though they have boatloads of cash sitting around, they who wants to lose money? You could sell people a gas vehicle, tried and true, profit margin baked into it, and you can convince people that that's a better deal, uh, at least cost to performance for the time being. You could convince people of that, but it does seem it does seem inevitable that that this electro electric transition has to take place. And so the investment is starting. It's starting to roll down to those other brands. And I, I do expect them to climb up this list. For the time being, it's Tesla and everyone else. And it's the Tesla Model 3 and everyone else. Once again, it's 67,650 units on that one model. The Model S, 7,000 units. It's almost 10 times more Model S's. Yeah. Model 3s. Well, it's supposed to be the most affordable. So Elon Musk is doing something, right? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. It means they still got to figure out the profit thing. That's for certain. And uh, electric vehicles in general are up as well. 
If they can start to pile together some of those profits, then uh, we might be onto something right here. But anyway, the Tesla stock is down today. 2.78 points minus 1.1%. So I don't know, Will. What can I say? By the way, have you heard of this uh, new Lotus car? Hypercar. It's an EV. Wow. 2,000 horsepower. Um, it's just a really cool-looking car. But um, it's funny here. It says that it can fully charge the car. Uh, in nine minutes. Whoa! But apparently, um, there isn't a a charger, which is a 800 kilowatt charger, to charge it within nine minutes. It hasn't wow. been invented yet. Wow! So, <laughs> in theory, it could charge up to nine minutes. Uh, in my in nine minutes. I see. It's a theoretical. It's a concept vehicle. Right. However, there's a target price between 1.5 and 2 million euros. Yeah. Which it equates to 1.8 to 2.5 2. in U.S. currency. Yeah. It says that uh, there are chargers here that can actually charge up to 80% in 12 minutes, which is pretty cool. That's very cool. It's like getting gas. It's, but the, the, the million-dollar car thing, I mean, yeah. it's not going to yeah. – you'll never see one. Let me see the interior picture. It's actually. Uh, hold oh, on. it looks. You want to know looks something? Really it cool. looks inspired by the Tesla Roast Roadster. To be honest, mm -hmm. it looks very similar. I mean, maybe even better. <laughs> but the steering wheel—they got that st that same rectangular steering wheel. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks cool. Obviously, it looks amazing. Well, this video only has twelve thousand views. You should. You guys should go check this out. This thing looks bananas. It's the Lotus Avija. 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 I don't know. That J could be a ha or a ja. Yeah. But it is a British company, so I don't know. Uh, next up, Will, have you heard about these uh, these Juul, Juul vape mm -hmm. things? Mm -hmm. uh, they're, 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 they're so popular. I think Jack uses it. They're so, they're, these are so popular. They, they came out of nowhere and took over the whole, the whole smoking world, vaping world. I don't know. And uh, the recently, the CEO came out and he said to parents, I'm sorry. He apologized because he's taking all kinds of heat these days from regulators that are saying, hey, we have an epidemic, apparently. They say they have a teen vaping epidemic where some, some astronomical percentage of high school students using these things quietly in all circumstances. And the thing is, I mean, I think a lot of people don't know. These have a very high nicotine content. So they're, they're super addictive. Possibly even more addictive than cigarettes is the, is, the, is the claim here. And there's a documentary coming out. CNBC is going to in investigate the e-cigarette debate in a documentary called Vaporized. And in the meantime, they put out this article here that suggests that Juul is uh, being used by 21% of high school students. Did you hear oh, that wow. number? Did you hear that number? That's like one in four. 21% of high school of, students vaped, vaped last year, and that's on a federal survey. Think about the number that didn't answer that accurately, right? Not everyone's going to admit to it. Is it, it just Juul specific? No, the question was vape specific, oh, but, okay. but Juul owns, owns 40% of the market. Right, uh -huh. like so, they Jewel is the market mm -hmm. as far as the, and they own forty percent of the vaping market, the e-cigarette market. Uh, 
but it's likely much higher amongst high school kids because it's the most marketed and the most uh, uh, available, right? They have the biggest distribution chain. You can walk into a gas station and this is the brand that you see. Uh, now, they also took a lot of heat because they had this ad campaign when it first launched, which was very, the people looked very young in the ad campaign. And they were forced to take the ad off the air. And now they say, hey, we kind of regret that ad as well. It was colorful. They had social, they went after social media people, but they actually ran this, like an ad on TV with very young, like cool, old school cigarette style advertising, which uh, they were allowed to do because the this, because this market isn't really regulated to the same degree that the cigarette market is yet. So they could get around the certain restrictions that would have exist that existed in advance uh, or that were put in place to protect, I guess, teens from from the from tobacco marketing. So the tobacco industry, they looked at this and they said, hey, this is a huge play for us. And they went and invested massively in Juul, this company, Altria, which is the top U.S. cigarette company, invested $12.8 billion into Juul for 35% stake in the company. So if you don't think this stuff is addictive, if you don't think this stuff is interesting to the, to the cigarette industry, I got $12.8 billion that beg to differ because they came in, they saw this trend taking place, and they're like, man, we can jump around the restrictions. We can make these colorful ads. We can put the young people in it. We can put it in the store. The studies aren't out yet. And that's the crazy part. I'm sitting here reading this article and the CEO of the company is saying, hey, I'm sorry. And also, we don't have the data yet. He admits that like they don't have the studies he would like yet to figure out what this is actually doing to people. And that's part of the reason for the apology. And so it goes on to profile a couple of different situations in which uh, there's a few different teen girls who are addicted here. Jewel pods contain 5% nicotine, whereas other pods before Jewel's introduction were between 1% and 2.4%. So in some cases, the Jewel pod could be five times more nicotine than the, than the existing e-cigarettes that they replaced. Now, the company has, has recently introduced lower dosages with 3% nicotine for some of its flavors. But the other part about the reason that this was attractive to young people is the flavors they put out. They put mango, watermelon, all this stuff, which you can imagine being attractive in a convenience store, gas station to a particular clientele, particularly uh, a minor clientele. So anyway, it's like a lot of things. It's like a lot of things that are out there. You... Uh, Benefits, drawbacks. Some people say, hey, this has helped me quit smoking. And I'm convinced it's better than smoking. I'm not saying I am. I don't know. But a lot of people seem to seem to be on board with that. And so for those people, it appears to be super helpful. But that little entry point allows the company to go and, 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 and take that inch and go a mile and say, hey, this is helping people, so we're going to market it like crazy. But if you were trying to get people off of cigarettes, then why does your advertising look like that? That doesn't look like trying to get people off cigarettes. That looks like trying to get people on Jewel. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It looks like you're looking for new customers because she hadn't even been on that on the planet very long, Will. Mm. So she didn't have time to get addicted to cigarettes yet, and she's got the Jewel, and she's looking cool. She's biting the Jewel, you see. Yeah. So it's tough, man. 
It's a tough one to figure out. Humans should be able to do whatever it is they want to do, but we all seem to agree that minors shouldn't, which is the reason you put these restrictions in place. And then you say to yourself, well, hey, they're not allowed to buy it. But then you say, well, then how are 21% of high schoolers saying that they do? And you start to realize you have a problem. And then you start to look at the marketing. Then you start to look at the leadership of the company. And then you start to ask the remaining questions. So I'm actually going to watch this documentary, by the way, because I'm curious about it. These things took off. But it's like everything in life, well, nothing is free, you understand? Mm. If you enjoy doing something, you should, you should examine it because it may have a downside. And that goes for almost everything. I don't care if it's a jewel pod or an ice cream cone. You're going to pay at some point. Whether it's a real mango or a mango pod, 5% nicotine. That's the thing. So just think about it. You make the trade. You decide. But the miners, maybe they're not in the best frame of mind yet without the fully developed brain and whatnot. All right. Last one for me. Speaking of the miners, American kids would much rather be YouTubers than astronauts. <laughs> that, I don't know. That's kind of sad. But, but at the same time, it's like you also get it. Becoming an astronaut ranked last among five professions. So there's a study done. They went to uh, different kids growing up in different regions. And they asked them what they want to be when they grew up. Gave them five options. Those options... Vlogger, YouTuber, teacher, professional athlete, musician, and astronaut. And in the United States, vlogger, YouTuber was way out in front at 29%. Teacher, 26%. Professional athlete, 23%. Musician, 19%. And astronaut, 11%. So the YouTuber way out in front. The United Kingdom, almost identical results to the United States. Now, if you head over to China... You can flip the whole thing upside down where astronaut leads with 56%. And uh, so, so it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing demographically to examine and recognize. My feeling on that is just it's an exposure thing. I think uh, the, the YouTube vlogger marketplace is so well established and understood in North America. Kids grow up being aware of it. They, you know, they will. They watch their favorite YouTuber do their house tour. And then, hey, mom and dad, I'm, I'm going to be like that, you know? YouTube has, in the West, displaced our typical traditional forms of media. So maybe you used to see that professional athlete in that light or the astronaut. And may, or maybe you used to see the musician in that light when you would pop on, on MTV. Like when we were kids, we'd pop on MTV or much music here locally. And that would be the thing you wanted to entertain, the guy who had a car and the girls or whatever it was what that he had going on. And his title to get that was musician. Mm. Now you boil it down, you get onto YouTube, it's even more powerful because the people you're watching kind of look like, seem like you, and there's lots. It seems to be an endless amount, so you think it's a thing that's attainable, and so you write it down. Now, obviously, these are youngsters. Their things are going to change for them as they grow up. But it's an interesting finding nonetheless. Three in ten American and British children replied that they wanted to be YouTubers or vloggers. Careers making videos on the internet for fame and fortune. You understand that well? They want the... I think, you know the other thing? I think they understand how hard it would be to be an astronaut. It's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work. And they might just be like, hey, why would I put myself through all that? Now, there's a couple of other interesting questions. On the same survey here, most kids everywhere think humans will live either in outer space or on another planet. 
and most say they would want to go themselves, but kids in China are more optimistic and willing. 96% of Chinese kids think humans will live in outer space or another planet, and 95% would want to go themselves. Look, look at that. Instant. That's a huge number. That's a high, high percentage. Whereas in the UK and the US, it's, a, it's around, it's between 60 and 70% for both of those questions. So China's into space. Maybe that's the takeaway here. The Chinese kids are into space. Uh, another potential explanation for this is the fact that the US already put their flag on the moon, went to space to a certain degree. Yeah. Other countries haven't done that to the same extent, might not have the same history and be looking to do things like that with their very own flag. So that could be another reason. But nonetheless, Will, who, who would have thought? They want to be YouTubers. They want to be like you, Will. Huh. They want to be like it's, you. Uh, flattering. Yeah, I want to sit right there. I mean, it's not really. A They're coming thing. for you, Will. The kids are coming for you. Anyway, what do you have today? Uh, you got something good or you want to head straight to your top question? It's up to you. I thought, uh, did you want to do trending? Oh, God. Okay, fine. Open up trending. It's the new segment. I'm supposed to do it. I got to break it down. Oh, okay. Dude, perfect. I can yeah, handle this. Not bad. Yeah, you can play it. I haven't watched it. You can play it real quick. Uh, RC airplane battle. Dude, perfect. Wait, dude. They got the planes. They shoot the planes. Number one on trending, 7.1 million views, 339,000 thumbs up. Wow. Speaking of YouTube kids, I mean, look, this is a kid's playground right here. If you're 11 years old, you're like, wow, look at these guys. They got airplanes, epic battle. They're playing. It's got all the fun elements, very advertiser friendly, very YouTube. And it's a bit of fun. You know, I would fly one of these. Oh, that's cool. They got paintball guns. They're trying to shoot down the plane. And the other guy's trying to avoid them while using the VR headset-looking thing, or, uh, sorry, augmented reality type of thing there to pilot the plane. And the video feed is rough. And look, he survived. Okay, cool. All right, they got a little challenge going on. They're having fun with uh, airplane battles. If you don't know who Dude Perfect is, it started as trick shots. It's a group of guys. I believe they're in Texas. They have a bunch of fun uh, together. And before it was like basketball shots, golf shots. They still do that kind of stuff. But now it's advanced into these more elaborate experiments and games and challenges that they play. Like I said, you're an 11 or 12-year-old. This is a uh, dream come true. This is the uh, Fantasy Factory. That was a show, right? Mm -hmm. Fantasy Factory? Yeah, that well, was a show. Dick. Yeah, so this is, this, is the, this is the new version of that, I suppose. Something like that. So, anyway, Will, how about you get to that question there? What can I say about it? I mean, it's trending. Seven million views. Look at this RC edition, 88 million. They, they, pull, they pull big numbers. They pull big numbers. You know, I will say, I've, I've seen the YouTube Kids app. These guys are all over it. Mm. These guys, they're banking a lot of views off the kids. And parents don't mind. It's like, what do you want to watch? An RC car go off of a roof? Okay, fine, go for it. So, they bank a lot of views there. Keep that in mind. All right, we'll take one question, Will. We, we'll take one question. We did an hour here. We'll take one question. Okay, so this is the ultimate question based on the title here. It's from Curtis. Uh, I pose you this ultimate question, a question that has rang through time and space wow. to the very core of our souls as humans. Gee. I ask you, boxers or briefs? Wow. And why? He's not wrong. That question keeps coming up. That, like, that question's existed for a while. Mm. 
But the thing is, I just, I feel like I could live either way, for one. Like, I feel like I could figure either one out. But the brief thing, first of all, I should, to be clear, I haven't worn briefs probably since I was a kid. Seriously, since I was a kid. All kids start with briefs. I guess all kids start with briefs, but here's my feeling with it. Look at the way it comes up on the leg, the band where the leg comes out. Mm. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna hit you on the inner thigh. It's gonna irritate. I just, I can't get with it. I can't figure that out. For me, I can't have that in there. I can't have the irritation. Well, I'm getting hot. Yeah. I just can't see myself doing it. So, I moved to the boxer brief because. A boxer itself, like a real boxer, which I did used to wear at one time, is too bulky. The pants going over top, you're crunching, you're, you're um, bunching. You're crunching and bunching. No, Will, you can go to the actual underwear I'm wearing right now. If you go to Saks right now, I got the, I, it's a titanium to platinum, maybe. You can find it. And Will's going to show you right now what I'm on recently. I mean, I don't, I, I don't look like these guys, obviously, but go, go ahead. Uh, maybe you, I don't know. You're gonna just search it. Wow, I don't. I think it's platinum. I think it's platinum. Platinum. I think it's platinum. Platinum. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yes, this is it. Okay. Now, just a black one on the far right. Blackout trunk right there. Okay. Simple. I own. They're expensive. I'll give you that, man. They're sold out in a few sizes as well. It's a thirty-seven dollar. That's a thirty-seven. Canadian. I guess. That's a thirty-seven dollar Canadian. Uh, uh, boxer trunk brief thing. If it's tight, you don't even feel it. Let me tell you something. Eventually, you don't feel this. Never mind irritation. You don't even know you have it, which is what you want. It's a uh, it's a modal, isn't it? What is it? Karen Specs. Maybe go to Karen Specs. Moisture wicking modal. It's a modal, obviously. And this is their top of the line. This is Saks top of the line. This is not an ad. Saks should reach out to me because I because I picked this on my own. So Saks should be on here. Sacks should be on here because I wear this every day. I pick up packs, pick up six. And one thing I will say, I know they're expensive. I get it. You're looking at this. You're like, what am I going to? I'm spending $37. They, they last so far. So far, so good. They look the way I bought them. And, of course, it's Saks. You get the ballpark pouch. It's a comfy thing. Uh, easy to take care of. So I invest. I invest in underwear. But it's definitely not a brief. It's a it's this type of layout. It's a boxer brief. And the modal, by the way, I should mention the fabric. I guess I, I can be sensitive at times. And that fabric is like no other fabric. It is so you don't even feel it. It is not abrasive. Cause I had the wool ones as well at one time. Okay. And and they're great for heat management, but the fibers, you feel them. You can feel those fibers. These fibers are invisible. That's like Spider-Man fibers on there. It's like I got the suit on. You know, I should wear a whole suit of that stuff. Anyway, there you have it. We did it all. We said it all. Mm. We saw it all. What a time to be alive. Platinum. We're wearing platinums these days. Well, you should pick up a pair. Sax is going to get in touch. Lots of things happened in the world. Um, American kids, they want to be YouTubers, not, a- not astronauts. We're kind of like astronauts, but we go to the moon every day. Sort of, every so often. 
The youngsters, they're too addicted to the jewels. We need to, the studies, we got to check the studies. It's got going to take some time. But the youngsters, they're, wow, 20%. Tesla's uh, selling a lot, at least in the electric car segment. They got three of the top five selling models, and it's the Model 3 and everybody else. GameStop is done whether they like it or not. It's unfortunate. I'll shed a single tear. I don't doubt it. There's a new Twitter. Will doesn't care about it. Uh, in the Apple uh, department, they're trying to make their own podcast. They're not paying us a, a dime for this that we got going on right now. Huawei is back, Will. So Huawei fans can, can rejoice. I really feel like this is it. They're back. Give it a week, two weeks. They're getting, they're getting the latest Google on there. Google can't wait, man. Hmm. It's better business. Business wins. Convenience wins. We talked about it before. There was an exploding iPhone, but they got a fresh one on the way. I think things are going to be fine. And what else do we have? We have Samsung bringing some heavy, heavy charging to the next generation Note to the tune of 45 watts via wire and 20 watts via wireless. That's coming to us from Ice Universe. What a time to be alive, Willie, dude. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm.